Praise the Lord. Praise God. I'll let you get your notes there. And while you're doing that, if you turn to John's Gospel, chapter 20, John's Gospel, chapter 20, I'm going to read this story, famous story of Doubting Thomas. John's Gospel, chapter 20. I'll actually read it from verse 24. Get your notes. Praise the Lord. John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 24. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were with him in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Can you imagine how he would have felt? Jesus turned to him. There he was. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put your hand into my side. I don't think that was said peaceably. I think it was a rebuke. Put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Today's topic is a very powerful topic. It's, I, w- I want to look at the subject of scars. Scars emotionally, scars spiritually, and even scars physically. We all have scars, whether we're aware of it or not. I think it's impossible to go through a year of life, a day of life, without something happening to us. But maybe it's something we never look at collectively or deeply enough to deal with the problems surrounding them. They are powerful things, evocative things. And I guess if you think of us, when you see a scar on anybody, or if you have a scar yourself, it surely is a sign that something's wrong. Something somewhere is wrong. If I'm scarred emotionally, if I've been scarred physically, something's wrong. And depending on how that scar came to be, it either looks like a terrible thing, like a mutilating thing, or it can be a very beautiful, wonderful thing. One of the drug addicts who was working with us in Dublin, he went off with somebody else's girlfriend, and the guy was a vicious guy. And I remember he caught him. And you would not believe what he did to that guy. I could not believe. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Uh, Two or three guys grabbed him, and they zigzagged his face. And he came to visit us a few days later. I was shocked. Scarred for life. Another girl I worked with in a hospital years ago, she was a beautiful girl, full of life, full of confidence, the life and soul of any party. And she was going into town, or coming back from town one night, being in a nightclub, and the guy who was driving the car was drunk, bang, her cheek hit the dashboard and fractured her cheek, and she was left with a huge scar right across her face. And they couldn't, they tried their best to seal it up, but they didn't do a great job, I have to say. And I watched that girl go from a very confident person to a person who got less. She came back to work. She's very brave. She came back to the same ward, 
And, you know, everybody encouraged her. A few people were so insensitive. So insensitive. One guy called her. Oh, Scarface is back. God, Jesus. God help us. He, he meant to break the ice. He was trying to help, but it didn't help. It wounded her even more deeply. She did not recover the confidence she had. Her psyche was damaged, and she disappeared. Do you know what she did? She hid. She hid. Because of the scar, listen, I'm not just talking physical. Because of the scar, in her case, it was a physical thing. But we do the same whether it's physical or spiritual. All of us have had, we've all lived, we've all had a life, we've all had a family and an upbringing which has been good and bad. We all go to work, we all get called names or whatever, you, you know. There's a gazillion things to think about. These things can leave scars, physically, emotionally. And I would say the natural thing to do with any scar is to hide it. Amen. My point is, Jesus didn't. That's my point. Jesus didn't. Jesus displays his scars to Thomas. Jesus, when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, the, the scars could have been gone. Amen? No problem. I believe the scars on the rest of his body, they're not there, but the scars on his hands and the scars on his feet are actually eternal. And rather than hiding these things, Jesus does the exact opposite. He keeps them. And he not only keeps them, but he's using them. And he shows his scars to someone who has what problem? Doubt. Doubt. Someone who's not willing to follow Jesus in the same way Jesus keeps the scars. And this is the moment that he brings them out. So obviously, these scars are going to help Thomas overcome something. Now, the scars on the hands of Jesus were not the result of sin. Amen. Well, they were, they were, they were not for him. They are the result of my sin but they're not the result of his sin. And I think that's why they're still there. If you think when in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when they came to take Jesus away, remember Peter drew his sword and he, he sliced off the, 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 the Roman soldier's ear. What did Jesus do? Touched it and healed it. Now, let's have a quiz here. <laughs> who thinks there was a scar? Or who thinks there was no scar? I think there was no scar. I think if Jesus healed your ear, when Peter sliced it off, I think he put it back, he probably did a perfect job. Amen? So my point is, why are the scars still on the hands of Jesus? And there's many reasons. But one of those reasons is because it, was, it, it had a purpose. And the purpose was to motivate, to, to instigate revival, within Doubting Thomas as he became known. Now, let me tell you a few things about Doubting Thomas as he's called. That's a very bad name for him. He doesn't deserve that title. Unfortunately, some of us, you can do one thing wrong in your life and you get a nickname, right? And you'll carry that for the rest of your life. Amen. It's true. And this is exactly what happened this chap. 
because he went on after that incident in that room if you study the life of the apostles which apostle worked most miracles thomas recorded not in your bible but in church history it was thomas he became the disciple to india became very well known many spectacular miracles so obviously jesus did overcome something in him helped him to see things differently but not only doubt remember Thomas was a type of person who he wanted to see it. Now, this is not the best type. It's not the best way to follow Jesus. What's the best way to follow Jesus? Blessed is he who has not seen and yet believes. Jesus says, this is the best. This is the best way you can live, not having to see things. What's second best? Thomas is second best. If you see it, it's still good. It's still a good thing, but as he proves because he went on to do great things. It's the third category that's the bad category, and that's the category that actually, even when they see, they still don't do anything, right? Jesus said, even if someone is raised from the dead, they won't believe, right? That's a bad category. So even, you know, whichever category you consider yourself to be in, if you don't need to see, if you're a person of great faith, fantastic. But if you're the type who needs to see, like he did, that's also fine. We need to mature our attitudes to our sufferings. Is there a faith pledge? Oh, here you go. See these here, for instance. See these forms you fill out when you do your, your pledge. In all our churches, <laughs> it's always the same. When new members join, they see the form, you see? And they come up and they say, Pastor, Pastor. I don't want to put my name on it. I don't want anybody to know what, what I give. Is that okay? I say, no. <laughs> Giving is two things in Scripture. It is public and it is private. And this is part of the point that Jesus is making. Jesus' sufferings were public. He didn't hide his scars. He shared his scars right? And it was also private. Fasting is public and private. Prayer is said to be public and private. And the marks, the scars that Jesus had, he made them public because he's doing something with them. He's helping someone. In this case, doubting Thomas. And so it is with our pledges. So it is with our giving. Your giving needs to be public and it needs to be private. And you will be judged for that. We need to hear your testimonies about how God fulfilled your faith pledge. You need to come forward here and you need to tell the whole church. It's like showing your wounds. You need to share the testimony if you made a faith pledge and not just an offering, I mean. If you made a faith pledge, you need to come forward before the sixth month is up and tell us, look what the Lord has done. And you may have been through trials or struggling. It, this principle that Jesus doesn't hide his scars, there's a deep lesson in here, not just to do with emotional scars or damage that we've had, but financially and in every other way. And if we fail to do it as churches, guess what? The offerings go down. The faith pledge is not a faith pledge, just an offering, because we're stopping to 
talk to one another. Jesus knew what was wrong with Thomas, but I would put it to your friends that it's not just Thomas. Amen. It's me. I need to hear from you. I need to know that you're suffering too. I don't want you to suffer, but I need to know that you're like me. I need the encouragement so that I will stay on the journey. Remember I shared with you when I was in America with... I don't get intimidated by crowds, by people that don't frighten me, okay? But there was this one occasion when I was really frightened. It was in Texas. I don't know what it is about Texans. Ever been to Texas? Whoa, this was a group of Texas pastors, you know? They were more like gunslingers, this lot. They were scary. And I was sitting at the front. Pastor Rick was going on first, and I was going on second. And I was intimidated. I was frightened. And I, I, I told you before, I just happened to look across. He was shaking. Rick was shaking. I was over the moon. I thought, hallelujah. He was frightened. And in fact, the first thing he said when he got up, he said, Whew, you guys are intimidating. But you see, knowing that he was also suffering, knowing that he was also going through something, what effect did that have on me? It inspired me. It inspired me. It made me feel like we're all on the same road. And that's why Jesus kept those marks. In fact, those marks, remember, they call them the only man-made thing in heaven. It's true. The marks on his hands and the marks on his feet remain. And the reason they remain is for you. Because you can feel like an absolute fool when you suffer for Christ when nobody else is. Amen. Amen. You can feel like an absolute idiot, Chris, when you're the only one witnessing on the street outside in the pouring rain and everybody else comes in and you're all on your own. You can feel like an absolute fool. Then why don't I just become like everybody else? Jesus is making a point. When you suffer, you're not alone. You're not alone. I too have suffered. I too have come this road. Be encouraged, Thomas. Look at this, Thomas. Marred beyond any other person, remember? Deep scars, emotional, spiritual, whichever way. But these scars, they cause us to hide. And in this crowd today and in any church, there are people who are hiding because of emotional damage that they have been through in relationships because of their upbringing, because of a thousand reasons, those things are scars. Point two. There are many different types of scars. I've listed just a few. There's the malicious scar. If you walk through the streets of Glasgow, you will see people like this. Amen? Have you seen guys like that? used to be a very popular thing in Glasgow to stripe someone's face. Terrible thing. Not just here, but, you know, all over the world that you can see that. But the first type of scar, if you like, is the malicious scar. Remember Owen? Owen had a great big stripe across his face there. And when we did the funeral, there was a whole collection of people that had been, yeah, there's a whole load of them came came from everywhere. I thought, wow, that malicious scar, like the guy in Dublin, what a terrible thing though, huh? What a terrible thing to damage someone or wound someone or scar someone like that. The second type of scar is the foolish type. Like, you know, you're going out with a girl called Jane and you have Jane tattooed across your forehead. And then Jane goes off with Jack and... Right? 
terrible, foolishness. And many of us will do foolish things, not just in body piercings or tattoos, because a tattoo is a scar. The tattoo is when they break the skin and they put ink in, and the ink mingles with the whatever it's called, and there it is. It's left as a mark, but it's a scar. It's a self-imposed scar. And some of you have done foolish things. Not a tattoo. I'm not asking you if you've got a tattoo. But some of you have done foolish things. And those things have left a mark on you. Emotionally, spiritually, whatever. We'll come back to that in a moment. And then there's fake scars. And this is very popular today. You've got to be careful of this, you know. There's a lot of fake suffering. You can, be, you can be encouraged to suffer in a way that you're not actually suffering at all, if you know what I mean. You've got to be careful of the way people treat you, trying to draw problems that you simply don't have. But there's a lot of fake scars. People encouraged to suffer, you know. It, 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 it's crazy. Hey, Gordon, are you okay? You okay? Yeah. You sure? Okay. Gordon, you sure you're okay? Are you sure? Are you sure? Is, is there anything I, I can pray for? No. Do you know, I can just feel the pain, Gordon. <laughs> right? You've got to be careful of how people approach you. I'm fine, thanks. Do you understand me? Society, the society that we live in, draw out and seek out things that are not there. Start making you think you're this, that, and the other, and you're not. Fake scars. And people get caught up in that. In fact, it's a certain psychology in there. One lady once came in this church with a broken leg. One of those casts. I'm sorry, I don't believe the leg was broken. I don't believe the leg was broken. I don't. I think it was fake. Because she wanted attention. Plain and simple. Okay? You'd be surprised the lengths that people go to when they are lonely. When they're lonely. They invent things, make up things, so that people will pay them attention and come and, you know, be with them and love on them, as they say today. Right? Fake scars. That's not what we're talking about here. Anything but. There's malicious scars. There's self-imposed foolish scars. There's fake scars. We're not talking about any of that. The third category there. There are also the proper scars, if you like, the sacrificial scars of human commitment to one another. Two people on this earth, two human beings, are scarred for life because of me. So don't mess with me. (laughs) Two people are scarred because of me. One is my mother. This is a cesarean This is the picture of a cesarean, which leaves normally quite a large scar. And I was a cesarean, and my mother is left with one great big scar across her belly. Now answer me this question. When I see that scar, is it ugly to me? No, sir. No. It's beautiful. And the other person who's scarred is the obvious one. Jesus Christ. But it's ironic to give me physical life, my mother had to be scarred. And to give me spiritual life, Jesus had to be scarred. And if my mother ever tried to take that away, I was, you don't need to take that away. That's part of you. That's part of me now. 
This is who we are. So some scars are absolutely beautiful, wonderful, and that's another reason why they remain on the hands of Jesus. But my concluding point, the bottom of your notes there, if you've got no scars, (laughs) you get no stars. If we protect ourselves from the rigors of the reality of Christian life, we're never going to get damaged. You're never going to get hurt. If you hide, you're not going to experience the, the, the troubles that Jesus promised everyone who follows him correctly. Right? For example, sorry for picking on you, Chris, but I could ask Chris to come forward here. And I could tell him, Chris, tell me what they've said about you. And Chris could tell me the names this week that he has been called because he's witnessing on the street. But you can't. You can't. You don't bear those scars on your body because you don't. I could ask some of you about your family and how they have rejected you and they've called you this and they've cut you off and you now bear that scar. Some of you can tell me of your scar but most of you cannot because you actually don't have that scar because you, you haven't witnessed. And so when we began, I meant to say, we're all supposed to be scarred. If we're doing our job in this life, if we are telling them about heaven and hell, if we are publicizing the gospel out there, Without any shadow of any doubt, we will be scarred as he was scarred. Spiritually, definitely, because they'll call you things, they'll do things, right? And maybe even physically. I've been attacked a few times in the opener, or at least people have come to attack me. Thank God he has intervened one time spectacularly and saved my neck from getting beaten up, you know. But What Jesus is saying to Thomas, don't hide from it, Thomas. Don't hide from the scars of life. You know, like Gideon. Go and hide in the wine press. And Jesus says, come out. Come out. Face life. Face the reality of Christian life. The first time I went down on the street, you, you, you know my story. I had a severe speech impediment. And the first time I went down on the street to preach, I felt like a fool, like an idiot. And you ask yourself these questions. Who else is doing it? Why should I go through this? And I stood to preach the gospel, and people stopped to look at me, not to listen to what I was saying, but they marveled at them shaking. I wasn't shaking like some Pentecostal mad person. I was shaking because I was terrified. I was so frightened. And the people stop to look and think, look at that guy there. Scarred! You see, when you leave that place, you are forever scarred. You've changed. Something's happened to you. You've been hurt. You've, you've, you know, been exposed in a way that you didn't want to be. Right? You're out there and you're vulnerable. And it is not easy. And it changes me. Don't hide from being scarred. Jesus is still scarred today, and he always will be. The Apostle Paul, he didn't hide his. Actually, look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 17. 
Paul didn't hide his scars either. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 17. From now on, Paul says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble because I bear on my body the marks or the scars of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't hide his scars. He spoke about them and he wanted people to know about them. Again, it's the same thing. It's as a cause of inspiration to try and cause you, if you are stretching your faith, if you are witnessing and being persecuted, if you are standing for what is right in your place, those scars are there to encourage you to keep on going. So don't answer me. Nobody answer me. Everybody look up. When was the last time you were scarred? When was the last time that you either stood for your faith or you did something or you said something that caused a reaction that wounded you and you just had to take it? Because that's life. That's bearing the scars. There's no children here, is there? The night I got baptized, I was living with a woman. And she came to my baptism with my best friend. Many people came, but my girlfriend came back to my place after I got baptized. And she brought my best friend with me, and we sat and talked. And they said, could they stay? I said, yeah, you could stay. And the walls in our flat were like this. And I went to bed in my room on my own, and they went outside, and they went in the next room. I'll leave you to figure the rest out yourself. And I lay there that night, born again, not long saved. And I told my girlfriend, you got to move out because I'm a Christian and I can't live with you. you got to go. And she came to the Baptist. It was very nice, very kind of her. She didn't need to do that because she was wounded. She was scarred, I guess. But as I lay in that bed that night, you feel the pain and you feel the wound and you take it. You take it because you know you're doing what's right. And they slipped away early in the morning. They were gone. And you know, Jesus came. The Lord visited me that morning and filled that room. It was awesome. It was the nearest thing to ecstasy. <laughs> it was just like an ecstatic experience where the Holy Ghost filled that room and comforted me and it completely changed me. It's almost like the Lord walked in that room and said, hey, Mike, take a look at this. I suffered more than this, so don't worry about it. Cheer up. Stand up. Keep walking. Keep doing what's right. Wow. When was the last time you were scarred? And if those scars are missing, it's a problem. Because personally, I believe that Jesus will search for them one day. Here's a question for you. You can answer this one if you know the answer. If you don't know the answer, don't make it up. <laughs> when Jesus Christ returns to earth, what's the first thing he's going to say? You should know because I've told you before. When Jesus returns to earth, what's the first thing he's going to say? Do you know the first thing he's going to say? He's going to talk about the marks on his hands. First words out of his mouth. Look at Zechariah chapter 13. Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 6. 
And it, it, it says this, if someone asks you, this is a prophecy, what are these wounds on your body? They will answer, these are the wounds I was given in the house of my friends. Now, you, we did a whole message on this once. Just look up a moment. Let me explain to you. Jesus Christ descends upon the Mount of Olives and he walks down into Jerusalem and he walks up to the East Gate. Remember? Remember the East Gate, the Lion Gate? And that gate is open. And on either side of the gate, they're standing two soldiers, two servants. And this is a prophecy of the first question asked to Jesus when he returns to earth. They see him coming. Listen, folks. He's glorious. He's luminous. He's not riding on a donkey now. He's glorified. Awesome. All of us, we will be there surrounding him. And he walks up. What do the guards see? The marks. And the guards look and they think this doesn't make sense. Here you've got someone who's almighty, all-powerful, and yet scarred. And so the first question, you can imagine the dazzling light that they say, what are they, what are those marks doing on you? And Jesus replies, first words out of his mouth upon the return of Christ to earth, these are the marks that I received in here from the church, from the house of my friends. Do you know, <laughs> this is just a thought. If the first words that Jesus talks when he comes back to earth are about his scars, maybe the first thing he's going to ask me when I approach him is, where are yours? And of all the soldiers returned from battle, bloodied and bruised, with their guns empty and no ammunition left, spent. And there in the midst of that crowd is me. With all my ammunition left, <laughs> it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. I'm not asking you to go out and seek suffering. That's not what this is about. I think if we just do our job, if we just follow Christ and accept the fact that suffering is part of the game here. It's part of what's going to happen. It's been promised. So this morning, I want you to consider just for a moment three things. Who has scarred you in your life? Other people I'm talking about. I want you to think back because those things can damage your psyche. They can damage you as a person and they can cause you to hide in this crowd when Pastor Tom asks you to put, some of you will put, but you'll still hide. People can do terrible things to people. Remember I told you about the guy with the, he used to walk like this, come into the drop-in center. and oh, He was a young man. One day I said, what happened to you? He looked like he had a severe stroke. And he told me about a fellow drug addict, scraped blue mold off a wall into a syringe. When he was out of it on heroin, the guy put the blue mold and mixed it with water, injected it into his arm, and it's left him paralyzed down one side. And that man sat with me full of venom and anger and hatred towards that guy, telling me how he was going to kill him and everything else. Can you, I mean, some people have been terribly scarred by other people, right? Some people have had terrible sufferings, physically or emotionally, but I had to hold that man. In fact, remember 
what I told you. I locked the center. We put everybody out. We closed, and I wouldn't let the heat. We wanted to leave, and I forced him to stay. I made, he was angry at me. I'm go- I said, you're going nowhere. You are staying right here with me until we get forgiveness into your heart. You're going to forgive that guy. And it took ages, that, you know, explaining to him, this unforgiveness will kill you. He was scarred. He was scarred worse than his disability. He was scarred with unforgiveness. And he needed to get it out of his psyche so he could blossom. And some of you carry the scars of childhood, parenthood, I don't know what. And what I'm saying to you, first of all, this morning, the malicious scars that the world put on us, you need to forgive them. Amen? We all do. Secondly, some of you... You're scarred because of your own foolishness, like Doubting Thomas. He's stuck with that nickname for eternity. (laughs) But he's actually not too bad, is he? He went on to be a great apostle. And I want to say to you, if you've done something stupid in your life, you don't have to carry that label. You don't have to carry that nickname. I remember a guy in school, flamethrowing was a rage, a crave. They used to get a a spray can and get get a lighter and then be like James Bond, you know. And this guy in school did it and it blew back. And burnt all the skin off his face. And man, he was ridiculed in our school. He was ridiculed and ridiculed and ridiculed. He'd done a foolish thing. But he's not a fool. He's not a fool. He's a child. He needs to get over it. Amen? Amen? Don't label yourself with that. Some of you have done foolish things. You mustn't let it scar you. You mustn't let it become your identity or your persona. You can't do that. You mustn't do it because it will debilitate you. Forgive others when they scar you, but if you've scarred yourself, forget about it. Move on from it. Let it pass in Jesus' name. And the last one, the most important one, if you have suffered because of the gospel, will you tell us about it? Share it. Because that's how we as a church grow. And that's how we know that we're not being foolish. We preach all over the place in many countries. And I can tell you, everywhere I go, the result is the same in any country, in every church. I can preach about end times, about theology, this, that, and the other. But guess what? There's one thing I can mention that I guarantee you a response. (laughs) Marriage problems. Soon as you start to say, let me share with you about the difficulties I've had in my marriage. And when I start telling them the truth about what she's really like, (laughs) do you know, you can deal with this, that, and the other, and people will be interested, and people will listen. But when you tell them about what you've suffered, that somehow brings Christians to a better place. It inspires them that they, they're not weird just because they've got problems. You're not odd just because you've got problems. You're normal. See? You're normal. Just following the path of Christ. We won't do it tonight, but on some other Sunday night in the future, why don't you share about your scars? Three categories. A bit like you did, Jim, when you shared about your past and how you had to let things go. 
Some of you come forward and tell us how you've forgiven people. Some of, us, some of you come forward and tell us how you need to forgive yourself for something stupid and maybe wrong you've done, but you're not going to let it be your identity anymore. You're going to move on from that. And some of you make a fresh commitment to put yourself on the battlefront in full knowledge that you're going to get hurt. In full knowledge. If I ring my brother, if I ring my sister, my mother, if I invite them and share the gospel, they are going to A, B, exactly. They are. Correct. In full knowledge that I'm going to suffer, I am going to decide to follow Christ. And then when I see him, and I walk up to him, if Zechariah, if the same thing happens to me, Christ will say, when I walk up to him, where's the wounds? What have you been doing? <laughs> what were you doing? You were a soldier. Where's the battle wounds? Amen? Let's just bow our heads and invite the, the worship team back. Father God, I, I thank you that Jesus loves us so much that eternally he will bear the marks in his body that give us life. And I pray this morning that that will inspire us to face the battle, not to be afraid of whatever may happen us, whatever people will do, whatever people will say. God, would you encourage us, inspire us as Jesus did to Thomas. Inspire me to move, to go. And Lord, I thank you just on the subject of evangelism. I thank you for the, the Gordons and the Chrises who stay on the front line and take the abuse and take the scars. And we pray your grace and your blessing upon them. And God, for the future months ahead, not even years, but months in our immediate future, would you raise us up like an army, an army that you would be proud of, God, that will go out and face the bullets, shaking in our shoes, if need be, but we will go and will not be afraid and we will overcome that fear in Jesus' name. I'm just going to give a moment for some of you to pray about maybe scars from the past from other people and let them go and forgive them. Some of you to forgive yourself and move on from foolish things you have done that have scarred yourself in a belittle put that in your past in Jesus name we prepare ourselves for the battle of life as a Christian soldier we present ourselves before you receive us and encourage us fill us with courage we pray Let's just stand to our feet.